Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my wife, who's in the middle of eating and multitasking as we record. How are you, my love? I'm doing good. How was, uh, we started today off a little rocky. Uh, we had, was it rocky? Yeah, it was, it was a little because rocky. your mother-in-law, or your mother, my mother-in-law, <laughs> uh, called me at 3.58 in the morning. Luckily, I was, I had already been up Can for Can I just tell you something hour. really weird, by the way? What time did you wake up? I woke up like at 3.20 today. Like my, my alarm was supposed to go <laughs> you off. You want to hear something crazy? What? That's you. The minute that your eyes open was when my, my nephew was being born. So that's really crazy that you actually opened your eyes at that time. That's, that's weird insane. to me. That's like really crazy. I love weird stuff like that. So, yeah, that is Because it makes me cool. feel like it was like, like destiny little, or something. <laughs> yeah. Like it was meant to be. Yeah, I'm my, like, how crazy my nephew that? Adam was born today and um, Adam's doing great. Mom's doing great. And we're just super happy for her. And today we have a guest who has passionately researched health and nutrition for years, experimenting with everything from body for life, beach body, South Beach, Mediterranean diet, juice fasting, intermittent fasting, Atkins, veganism, vegetarianism, paleo, keto, and fasting before reaching the conclusion that health through nutrition can be achieved without a label or going on some extreme diet and or exercise plan. She speaks from personal experience, not theories, and she helps her clients create a realistic way of eating that takes into account their individual preferences, family, lifestyle, and budget. As a mom of five, she knows how challenging healthy eating can be, so Jessica's very approachable and extremely relatable. She works with her clients to transform their bodies and their relationship with food, and we're honored to have her on today. Welcome to the show, Jessica Tai. What's up, Jessica? Hey, guys. Thank you for that awesome intro. Man, I don't know who wrote that about me. But <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> I was like, dang, who's this guest? Oh, wait a minute. That's me. <laughs> Good well, stuff. You're, 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 you're being very, very humble right now because our guests are going to find out that you do like everything. everything. You do it all. Yeah, so. do it all. <laughs> We're, we're super excited to get into it. I know. How have you been? It's like since the cruise, honestly, it's been like crazy nonstop that it feels like the cruise was like a, an out, like well, a year ago. A, she had a trip the same time. Oh, you had, had a trip our, too. That's why you couldn't go to KetoCon. That's right. Yeah, I know. And I missed that so much. I was so sad to not be with y'all for that. But I, I do. I, I feel the same way about the cruise. But at the same time, I also feel like, gosh, it feels like it was last week. Like, didn't we just yeah. get off the cruise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time, time flies when you're having this much fun, guys. <laughs> it really does. It flies and then things don't get done as quickly as we want them to get done because there's all this stuff going what? on, but you're just spinning plates and like trying to juggle everything, oh, which Lord, your I husband is really good at and I'm trying to learn from him and you're really good at. <laughs> oh no, we, it's good that we make it look like we're really good at it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm starting to think that that's the case. Like, I'm like, guys, mm-hmm. we, we all just appear yeah. to have yeah. it all together and I think we're all kind of just winging it. 
Oh yeah, we there all. Are, there are definitely some people that are like super organized, like planning out their posts, like whatever, guys. Most of us <laughs> no. are winging it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm pretty much like getting up every morning, like, oh crap, I have to do that. Oh crap, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, shoot, I gotta do that. It's like yep. crazy, and that's it's not insane. any way to live, but it's the way it is. It's like I there's I need a little sticker on my mirror, in my bathroom that says or or just on at the bottom of every. It's like a disclaimer for every picture that goes on social media, and it should say objects in mirror are more chaotic than they appear because yes, yes. my life is total chaos 99% of the time. I That's love us. it. Don't get me wrong, but it's chaos. Well, uh, we're we with agree you. because like we, we, and we, it's great to get, and this is why the conferences and the, and you know, things like the low carb cruise are awesome because when we get in touch with people and we finally get to hang out with them, you find that everybody's thinking the same thing. Everybody's like, how do you guys do it? How do you do it, Maura and Danny? And me and we're Maura like, are like, don't know. how we're... do you do it? Yeah. And we're yeah. all like, oh, wait, we're, we're all not quite doing it. But it's yeah. true. Like, yeah. as hard as we try to have, like, a straightforward, realistic, authentic social media presence, you know, where we're trying to show all of it, somehow Instagram and Facebook, even when you're trying, it just it whitewashes it, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this just because it's. it's it's just the nature of the, the system. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jessica, what's the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Oh, man, that's such a big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that is, that is such a big question. But I, I guess my answer would be um, and it, it's kind of it's not very specific, but I guess it's just the biggest problem I'm trying to solve is how disconnected we are from creation. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just the way we were created, how we were created, creation itself, like the plants, the animals, the, the land, that just how we have become, like we, we think that we can live in, like we don't need to live symbiotically with nature anymore. Like we right. think that we can just keep ourselves in a box and keep our children in a box and, and use, you know, we can just drench ourselves in, um, you know, like uh, whatever the, I can't even think of this stuff, what it's called, but the germ stuff, like. Oh, like Purell. Thank you. Like the Purell stuff, like we can just drench ourselves and our children in that. Everything's going to be fine if we just keep all the, you know, we just stay pristine and clean and don't get dirty and don't get in anything and don't work too hard. And we just go get all of our food from other boxes and bring them back home to our box. And then we just live like that. And I, I think that that is just that the root of every problem of our healthcare of because ultimately it comes down to we're we're so disconnected that we don't even understand as a society that that the land and what we eat and our animals and our plants and all of these things even the way we allow our children to be outside and play or not completely affects the way our bodies grow and develop and whether we develop diseases or whether we stay healthy and I think it's just this complete disconnect I love that you took it there. You're probably the first person to put it that way. And it's it's so true because it, it has to do with everything. It's like the entire circle of life, yeah. so to speak, with the Lion King coming out. But it's just, <laughs> I'm like the circle. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so with you, girl. I'm like that mom, and I'm sure you are too. Like when my kids go for their Purell, I'm like, no, <laughs> don't. The kind of mom that I <laughs> Um, that so I know um, your kids. I know you guys homeschool, but um, I'm sure you would do this too if you sent your kids to public school. But I'm the kind of mom who sends them in the first day with their own bottle of handmade. We call it sanitizer. Yes. And, <laughs> 
essential oils and water and aloe vera essentially is all it is. And they, um, they go in with that and a note that tells the teachers on day one that my children are not to use sanitizer under any circumstances. And that if they feel the class needs to use sanitizer, that they can instruct my kids to go get their sanitizer out of their backpacks and use it. Love it. They're allowed to use. Like I am literally, I'm that mom. It's seriously so bad for them though. Like I wish people would understand this. And it's just kind of funny because the, you know, it's the people that are obsessed with that stuff are the ones that are always getting sick. And I'm like, you don't realize how the, and it is that, and it all starts with the disconnect. It's the disconnect. We've, we've become so disconnected. And then that just turns into so many other problems because, I mean, the other day when we, we were in the Keys with Danny's uh, dad on their boat and I went out paddle boarding. And I mean, in just those 10 minutes, I can't even tell you the amount of garbage and plastic that I picked up oh, just so on that little section of, of, of beautiful ocean. <laughs> and it's just like, that's why we, you know, humans act the way they do. Like when you're disconnected from that, it, it, it you lose your, your empathy pretty much. Like you lose that the reason like the purpose like you don't you don't fully understand it so you think it's okay and you know we'll just fix it with some kind of technology one day and and no it's just yeah, better yeah, living through can't. science that's the thing yeah. nowadays yeah. everything is yeah. better living through science we're in control we're in control of everything that's what people think right <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it though because i think that's the biggest problem is that we we really do i think we kind of have a like a god complex basically. yeah and we yes. you know so many people are like oh well we can we can handle this we can fix this we can do this you know we'll we don't like the way that it is in nature so we're just going to change it because we know better right because we are the most superior beings, you know, ever created or whatever, however you believe. And I think when you, I think it just, it, it just creates so many issues because it's like, no, actually, <laughs> I mean, depending on what you believe, but I definitely believe in a creator, I believe in God. I believe we were created this way. He created this planet the way he created it. And if we would just fall in line and do what we're supposed to do and take care of it the way we're supposed to, things probably would look a lot better than they do now. But people are just, um, again, we just, yeah, like we'll just change it. We're smarter. We'll make it the way we want it to be. And that's yeah. just, it's never going to work that way. It's not. Yeah. It's and, not. you know, of course, we we have said this a million times. We we believe the same as you believe. And we regardless of whether you believe that we were created this way or somehow we evolved to be this way. I think we can still be on the same team because, you know, whether you say that that it came, you know, God created us this way or we somehow, you know, evolved well, to be, become this way. Both of them are saying the same thing. We have a natural way of doing things mm-hmm. that's that's doesn't involve combining, you know, massive amounts of fat with massive amounts of carbohydrate. That's the biggest issue. Right. Um, it doesn't involve doing things and altering our foods and, and not only through the processing of them, but through the improper cooking of the food, you know, the, all these things that we're doing. It's, it's it's a huge disconnect, like you said. And it's so, a system. Like, we all need each other. Yep. And people fail to realize that. Like, no, we, we need... Like, the cows eat the grass. We yep. eat the cows. Like, this is how it has to be. Yeah. If not, it, it it's, you're right. It's not sustainable. So, I love that. I love that you went there because this is a that is a big problem (laughs) well this is a this is a good segue too because you know obviously your your ntp is coming out for sure it's showing 
And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, you recently became a, a, a nutritional therapy practitioner through Wise Traditions. And, you know, Wise Traditions bases its core belief um, on the work of Dr. Weston A. Price and Dr. Francis Pottinger and focuses on properly prepared, nutrient dense whole foods. Why did you choose this certification specifically and how has it shaped the way you work with your clients? So um, I, I, I forget actually how I learned about uh, the Nutritional Therapy Association, but when I first heard of them, I was intrigued just to, I'm like, what is, what's nutritional therapy? Like, that's interesting. So um, started kind of just researching and doing a little more information on them. And there's a lot of different certifications that you can do uh, as far as being a nutritionist outside of a dietitian. I knew I did not want to be a dietitian um, because, I mean, and I'm not knocking anybody that is. Um, I mean, obviously, they've um, put a lot of hard work into that. But my, my hang up with um, the Dietetics Association was I didn't want the government having anything to say with how I was going to help people. Right. Um, because they're just, um, they're just wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're just wrong. I don't know how else to say this, guys. <laughs> no real nice way to say that. So I thought, okay, I have to do something outside of that. You know, when I realized that, um, you know, that they had some say in how I would do my practice, I was like, okay, I can't go that route. And then um, after doing some research into some of the other um, options, the Nutritional Therapy Association just seemed to really be um, so comprehensive. And, um, and, it, and it was. I mean, the, the um, course that I went through was extremely comprehensive. It was very interesting. And I also liked that you're able to practice um, in a hands-on way. Like I'm, um, you know, as I'm a practitioner, uh, meaning that I am able to, you know, get my hands on to bodies and and kind of help people through um, different means other than just working with them through their nutrition. So, um, so it was just, I thought it was really interesting and, and uh, I'm so glad I did it. It's uh, I've been over a year now since I graduated and um, man, time flies. I can't believe it's been that long, but it's been really awesome. I love that. And it's, I love that you mentioned the whole RD thing. And of course we have some awesome RDs out there that are, you know, going against what they were taught basically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and putting the, the good information out there. But, and, and I had considered, you know, going to do that at one point, but thinking about it, I really just, I didn't want to sit there and listen to, and like have to learn stuff that I know is wrong. Right. Just for, just for a test. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. And so I love that we're like hearing more and more about these programs and we're hearing more NTPs coming out and that, you know, that are educating based on real food approaches. We love Weston A. Price. Um, and a lot of people still don't really know about this. So can you just explain into a little bit more detail, maybe like what kinds of patients you take, what kind of conditions, like how, what is the typical work that you do with clients as an NTP? Well, um, kind of, it's really all over the board. So it basically, we work, um, we work very um, focused on nutrition and lifestyle changes. So helping someone to understand how their nutrition is affecting um, different things that are manifesting in their body. And we always work from a foundational approach of um, digestion. First thing, because if you can't digest your food, you're going to assimilate it to your body, you're not able to use it, um, then it's really not doing you any good. So we work on that. We work on um, just trying to help people understand how food, it kind of goes back to the connection thing that I was talking about. It's really, which is one of the things I love about it. It's really helping people 
connected back to food and their bodies and understanding the relationship between those and the relationship between their sleep and their stress and just all of those things, movement. Um, so I think it's a pretty comprehensive um at least the way I do it is a very comprehensive kind of lifestyle change. And so I do, um, I do one-on-ones um, and I have a, I have an office I practice out of here locally, but really my favorite things to do, I recently started, um, I've been online classes where I'm able to reach out to more um, people. You know, there's, there's only so many people I can see on one-on-one. It's a very intensive uh, type work. So I really like being able to do the classes because then it's more about education and mm-hmm helping people to understand and, and like you can educate 50 people at, you know, at one time in a one hour block per week. And that is so much, you're able to just reach so many more people than, you know, a two hour block one-on-one in person. Um, it just takes so much time. So I've really been loving that because I feel like once people get the education and they kind of get the basic down, it's, you don't, there are some areas where people need a little more, a little bit more like specific help. You know, like I've got clients that have um, autoimmune diseases and things like that going on. And, and there's some specific things that we work on due to those specific things that we're trying to tackle and those specific people, but just educating people in general about nutrition and, um, you know, just some of the facts that are going to be true for everybody and helping them understand that is really huge because then they're able to take that information that they, that they now know, and then they can run with that and really start making big improvements in their life. So that's kind of my favorite thing to do and um, have really been enjoying that. I love that. And the education, it's so important because you, you're, you're empowering people to take control of their health because that's something that it's we have Americans like running around rampant with diabetes and they truly think that they're out of that they have no control over that and they think that it's like this death sentence like a lifelong I guess this is my life now yep and yeah that's exactly what happens I feel like and especially and again I don't want to I feel like man I'm I don't I don't this is not who I am listeners are like, boy, she just bashes everybody, not NRDs, not fashion doctors, but doctors don't know. I mean, they just don't know about nutrition. They're, they're just not given that education. Right. Somewhere along the lines, some somewhere, I don't even know where this happened, but as Americans, we just learned that, that doctors are second, you know, probably only to God, whatever they say is the facts and, right. and they know better than everybody else. And they must be smarter than everybody else on the planet. And if you go into a doctor's office and they tell you something, well, that's it. I mean, there are no questions about it. They must know because they're a doctor. And that is so wrong. Like it's so backwards. Like you hire them. They work for you. Like, right. like they're not this end all be all, like you're not supposed to go in there and, you know, like have a spotlight on the doctor and angels are like, oh, I mean, it's right. <laughs> they're not like this super human. They're just people and they only know what they know. And they're in this country specifically. Specifically, they're not taught anything other than, you know, how to clean, how to fix the symptoms or mask the symptoms that you're having. They're not taught preventative care. I mean, they just don't, they're not taught that. They're not taught. Right. 
They, so when you, yeah, you almost can't blame them in a way, right? Like, so when you go into them, but expecting that, yeah, you're gonna be, it's gonna end in failure because yeah, they're, you're expecting something of them that they cannot provide for you, and and I think that's where a lot of the breakdown is for people and not being able to understand that, like you said, type two diabetes, it's not a death sentence, it's not a life sentence, it's not, it's not just because the doctor said this is what you have to do, and he doesn't know that the only thing you can do is take medication. That doesn't mean that there isn't anything else. He just doesn't know that there's anything else. He just doesn't understand or doesn't have the time to direct you any other way. Right, right. And even autoimmune, like that's another thing. Yes. You know, here's your life. You've got this autoimmune disease forever. It's just a symptom. Time to start the, the biologics. Oh, and the biologics. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Time that's to so get dangerous. on the immunosuppressants yeah. and just yeah. completely open yourself up to every other issue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's frustrating. Again, it comes back to the disconnect. I think we're just so disconnected. And then, you know, one of the frustrating things as a nutritional therapist is when I come up against um, this is talking to people when I have a new client and talking to them about just some of the simple things we can do with their diet and lifestyle to help them make, you know, overcome major autoimmune diseases and, and the look of like, yeah, right. You know, they, they kind of look at you like, yeah, what, like I've been going to my doctor for six months and you're telling me that you, a nutritional therapy practitioner are going to fix this, uh, with food and telling me to go to sleep earlier. Like, (laughs) yeah, but it's, I'm like, no, no, I promise you. And I'm, and I'm not going to charge you nearly as much. Right. <laughs> like if you just do what I'm telling you to do, you're going to feel amazing. Just give me some time. But it's almost like we've just been so conditioned that it's got to come from a doctor and it probably should be in a pill form or a surgery. And otherwise it's not viable. Yep. So true. So true. Let's take it back a little bit. Cause you've mentioned how you've tried several different diets. How did you find the ketogenic diet and how how does it, you know, compare to other diets you've tried and shape kind of who you are today and how you approach nutrition with yourself and everyone else? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, man, it's uh, such, there's such a dip, there's so many different things that came together. <clears throat> I honestly think it was like divine. I mean, I know that sounds really weird. But yeah. That's I feel like it was, because <laughs> it's like the time, nothing's ever happens back to that. Right. And timing, you know, things just work out the way they're supposed to. And, um, so it was one of these things where, yes, I like probably like many women, um, you know, I'm in my forties now, but I grew up, you know, seventies, eighties, um, nineties, very, you know, fat, no fat and, um, thought I had to restrict calories and I needed to starve in order to be thin and you got to be thin, um, to be accepted and, um, always struggling. Um, you know, I gave birth to three babies and gained a massive amount of weight with all three. And, um, and then, you know, would just hardcore diet um, to get all the weight back off. And because I lived by, you know, the mantra of like, I'm pregnant, I'm eating for two. So now I just have more of an excuse to eat as many ho-hos as I want. <laughs> Whatever. So it was terrible. It was, man, if I could go back and do that all over. But, but I, I went through all of that through all the diets, you know, trying to find something that worked and shocker, nothing worked long-term. I mean, right. <laughs> like this is going to be the rest of the like, this sucks. Um, so, um, but got started getting really interested in health as my, um, oldest son, who is now almost 18, um, was having, he had actually, he's had a health issue since he was a baby. Um, since, I mean, he's been on Zantac. He was on Zantac since he was just several months old. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. So, and back then, you know, I was 
just like, okay, okay, doctor, you said to do this. Sure. I'll give this to my baby. Never questioned it. Never looked into it. Never thought anything of it. He wasn't on it for like a few days. He was on it for months. Um, and so he has all kinds of digestive issues now. And I 100% know that, um, that I, you know, I, in the end I did that to him because I gave him that medication. And I know that, you know, the things that he deals with now was a direct result of that. And so, um, so I start, so I've been very interested in health as he's gotten older and been more interested himself on how he can help manage these things. And so, um, I just started getting more interested in researching things and finding out like, what can he do and, and all this. And then in the, in the kind of at the same time, my husband and I uh, were adopting our second daughter and she, um, is special needs from China. And, um, she had a, a, a kind of a myriad of different health, um, diagnoses. And many of, and I knew many of them could be supported with nutrition. But at this, at that time, when I was kind of learning all this, I didn't realize like what a big impact it could make. Like I just knew that it had to be better than eating crap. So started researching. I got into paleo, um, and that definitely helped my son and and whatnot. But then um, finding out that my daughter was um, epileptic was a whole, took me down a whole different road. Um, and kind of at the same time, I started learning about keto and fasting and all of this type of thing. And it was just like these two parallel paths and then everything just converged at once. And, and then there I am. (laughs) So, um, for me, when I started learning about that, I did it first with my son. Um, we started fasting and doing ketogenic, um, you know, eating together. And it started helping him so much, started helping me so much. Like I had dealt with cystic acne and um, digestive issues and things like that. And all that stuff started clearing up. Um, I had been, I'd had a, a, a kind of a bum hip and knee for years. Um, I was a runner, um, not because I liked it, because I thought that that's what would make me skinny. So, right. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> I was been there. And um, myself up doing that. And then I'd also played sand volleyball for many, many years and um, had really bad hip and knee pain so bad that I would have to flip. I, I like to sleep on my side and I would have to flip over about every 15 minutes throughout the night because my, my hip would literally go numb and um, it was awful. And um, the basically just went back and forth to doctors and um, chiropractors and all this kind of thing. Um, I was told that it was tendonitis. I was close to having bursitis. And once it was bursitis, surgery would be my only option. And I thought this really sucks. I'm, you know, like late thirties and I may have to have surgery on my hip, like just so I can sleep and move. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And, um, and I just couldn't believe that after about six weeks of keto, I no longer had hip pain and it went away and I didn't really realize it. And then like one night I was laying in bed and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't remember the last time I woke up in the middle of the night going back and forth. And so I thought, well, I'm going to really pay attention tonight. And if, if it, if it's real, like then I'm going to tell Derek in the morning and I went to sleep that night. And the next morning when I woke up, I told Derek, I said, oh my gosh, like I just realized that I haven't been in pain over my hip. Like I don't even know when the pain went away. So somewhere in those first six weeks, a condition that I was told I was going to need surgery at some point for went away just by changing my diet. That's when I was sold on keto and was like, 
like, okay, that I hundred percent, I'm going to help people to understand why this works. And simultaneously, I was going through my, um, I started the NTA training, the NTP training and started being able to put together the knowledge of, of, you know, physiology and biology and realizing that, oh my gosh, this is why keto works. This totally makes sense now. <laughs> that is, that is so beautiful because it's, it's so much better when you feel the effects of it and then like first firsthand and then you find out after why that is i think that makes it even more powerful yeah and i and i want to commend you because i i want to go back to what you said like like at the beginning of after you started answer that question because you mentioned that you know you didn't know and like when we tell people because we you know we, we speak with passion and we tell people you know don't do this or or you know this is what's happening this is what the you know that are happening to the kids you know we're, we're we're hurting our kids with this current approach and you know i'm sure that a lot of people take it personally like we're trying to attack them but i'm here to say just like jessica that we didn't know at one point, you know, we circumcised our first, we didn't circumcise our second. We, you know, we, 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 we got all these vaccines for Desmond and, and, and we didn't get them all, but we got a good amount and we didn't get them with Dean. And so it's like, when you learn and you know better, do better. And I don't know why that's such a big issue. Like, why is Tim Noakes the only professional who could admit that that he was wrong? And so I had to bring that up because you, you know, you mentioned it and you said it so eloquently. And, you know, people have to know that, you know, we're all on the same journey. We're on different parts of that journey. So it's okay not to know. It's okay it's to be okay, wrong. Especially yeah. the fact that we were all educated to believe something, you know, of course, it's hard. It's hard to like change everything that you've believed until now. It's like your identity sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah. a lot of the time it is. A lot of the time it is. Yeah. So yeah, and we're all in this um, together. To I mean, like you guys, me, all these other you know people that are out there um, in the public eye, just educating, talking, podcasting, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we're all out there with the same goal. We're not out there to put people down or make them feel bad. We're out there to get the message out. So then, because I wish there was somebody that I had heard it from right. earlier on. I, you know, I wish that I had heard it. And and that's why I love the educating part of doing the classes online, because I, I just feel like if somebody hears something that makes them have that light bulb moment and they go, oh, really? Oh my gosh. Like I, nobody ever told me that, or I didn't hear it. I never knew that before. Or, oh my gosh. And then they go tell Aunt Sally who then can make changes in her life and reverse her rheumatoid arthritis and get her quality of life back, then you know what? Awesome. Like, I just want people to know that there are alternatives out there. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not that, it's really not that complicated. Yeah. And they're in the more control than they think. Right? Yes. Yes. I, I want people to get that control back and, and feel like they can have the control back. You know, I, I love that part. Like you said, the education is very important. Um, another part of the education piece is the the part where, you know, people, okay, they understand that there, there's a certain way of eating that's going to be, you know, healthier for them. But there's other issues. And, you know, one of them that I want to go into is, you know, the challenges that you face, you know, as a mom of a special needs child. Um, what are the, um, the biggest challenges that you've faced when it comes to finding care and services for her? And what advice can you offer to other parents who are having trouble finding healthcare providers that have a more holistic approach? Oh, man, that's a tough one, because I definitely don't have all the answers to this. But um, I mean, I would say that some of the some of the biggest issues um, that I come up against are 
Um, you were talking about the vaccines and that's a big one. Um, and I know that that's like a whole that's super taboo. Yeah. <laughs> very touchy and every, you know, and I don't have all the answers for that either. I, what I do know is that for someone like my daughter who is severely compromised in many different areas mm-hmm. of her body and her development, you know, emotionally, mentally, um, physically, you know, she has a lot of things that she has to deal with, um, neurologically. And for someone like her, a kid like her, I feel like it has got to be more of a risk to try to vaccinate her from something like chicken pox and give her that vaccine with all the crap that's in that vaccine than to just leave her be and not assault her system, her immune function, her neurological system, or all of that stuff. Um, She's had heart surgeries. So all of that to just not assault her anymore, like just let her um, kind of be. So that is hard for me because um, we kind of have a double whammy with her because she um, we she goes to public school um, partly because uh, where we are, there are a lot of really awesome services that are provided to her um, through the public school system, and there they would not be available to us um, by any other means. And then there is. Um, so, so she has to have the vaccines and things for that. And then there is also the fact that she is adopted. And so because she's adopted, we um, are told by the, by not only our government, but the Chinese government that she wow. must stay current on all of her vaccines, or we literally risk losing her. Wow. So um, that is hard because I don't have a say on what happens with her um, in those types of situations. Um, so that's scary and that can be hard. Um, so, so that's a big, I mean, that's one of our biggest challenges is trying with her is trying to figure those things out. And then, you know, she's been um, rushed to the hospital twice after seizures. When she has seizures, she has grandma seizures. And we don't know why this happens, but she, um, it literally shuts down her entire neurological system. So she, wow. so if, um, if you know what that runs, that means you stop breathing, you stop like everything, like her brain no longer communicates to her body. Wow. Keep it alive. Like it's so scary. lungs don't know to breathe and she doesn't know to, you know, take a breath. Like it's, you know, her heart doesn't know to beat anymore. Like it's really crazy. And we don't know why the doctors cannot figure out why this happens. It's like something to short circuits. Um, and so each time it's been about a half an hour after her seizure started that everything completely shuts down and she has to be intubated. Um, so the first time she was air cared and then the second time we were able to get her there in the ambulance. Um, but the, this, so the first, so when we end up in those types of situations, very chaotic and every, you know, they're just doing anything that they do. And then we spend the next several days in ICU and they're trying to figure out like what's going on and what's wrong. And one of the biggest challenges that that brings to us is we're trying to get the doctors to consider things about like her environment or maybe the toxicity of the vaccines or maybe her diet or, and they don't want to hear any of it. They're, they're not interested in that because they don't, they're not interested in preventing these things from happening. They just want to know what to do to keep her alive, basically, right. which is great. I mean, in these situations, yeah. I am so grateful for the Western medicine, but but as the mom, like, I want to know why is this happening and what can we do to stop it from happening again? Like, it's great that you guys can keep her alive, but I want to know what we can do that she doesn't have to go through this again. Right. Um, right. Or that we can take her on a vacation and that's 
that were further than a half an hour away from a hospital because we know we can't get her any further from that because she may not make the trip. Right. Um, so that's for us are kind of like severe <laughs> challenges yeah. that we kind of deal with that maybe are outside of the realm of, you know, maybe what some other um, families might be dealing with. But, you know, that's kind of our top priorities with her, I guess. That's so scary. I can't even imagine. Um And yeah, just, you know, we have our stuff going on with Dean, too. And it's just it is hard when you try to advocate for them. And Mm -hmm. the doctors really they really don't want to hear it. And they kind of look at you and try to make you feel bad. But but yeah, but it's that's why it's important to just continue educating. And it's so great with social media that we have like all these actual doctors that can have a voice now. Um. And, you know, NTPs and just all different types of different practitioners. You know, now we have carnivore OBGYNs. Like, this is awesome stuff. And it's just yeah. great to know that it's out there and that people are waking up. So it's so nice. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about farm life because you you guys are in Ohio, right? You guys are in Ohio. Yes. And you live a very rural farm, farmer's lifestyle. And you personally kind of run the whole operation. So tell us a little bit about your experience, like some of the challenges you faced and how this has impacted your children and the lifestyle that you guys live. Man. So I love I could talk about this all day. So I know. You stop me, but. I just, I, I just love being on a farm. I love having my kids on a farm. And the funny thing is we are get, we're going to get you guys out here. We're totally going to do this. We can't wait you guys out here so bad. But the cool thing is, is we're actually not very rural. We are, we are kind of like, um, you're close to Columbus, right? We're um, we're actually right outside of Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati. Okay. okay. Yeah, but we're in an area. Our, the suburb we live in is called Loveland, Ohio, and we are. It's a very populated, very popular um, suburb. And our farm that we bought is um, like a two hundred year old um, dairy farm. It used to be a an old dairy farm, and it was you know a ton of acres that have now been sold off. And we own the last the last standing of the right. Farm. And it's about 10 acres, but we are right in the middle of, I mean, we're literally less than a mile off of the highway, like the major interstate. So you're close to everything. (laughs) We're close to everything. It's so crazy, which is awesome because our kids, you know, they love that they're close to all their friends and everything. And, you know, my teenagers that drive, they don't want to be very far from like running to wherever they want to go with their friends. So, um, but yet we're tucked back off the road. We're up on a ridge and it feels like we're in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, so it's so awesome. But we, um, I grew up on a horse farm or spent the most, a lot of my childhood um, on a horse farm. And we had a couple of goats and stuff like that. And then, um, so that I grew up like that. And we were very, a much more rural location when I was growing up. And so that's what I love. Um, and then when Derek and I got married, we moved to the south and started our life. And so we lived the first, um, you know, 10 years or so of our marriage living kind of in suburbia. And then my goal was to get back out to some land and have a farm, which we did. We, um, I started a a horse farm. Um, We bought a place and built that. And I used to do um, mounted patrol and search and rescue training with horses. And we- 
country. It was really fun. Um, but then we started having babies and that got to be like a lot. I had a bunch of little kids and was doing that on my own and, and traveling. That particular um, job kept, kept me on the road all the time. We were traveling all over and I, my partner was in Minnesota that I worked with. So we were making that trip from Ohio to Minnesota pretty often. And um, anyways, that kind of got to be too much. And um, we ended up selling our farm back in like 05, I think, or um, I think about 06 maybe, and then um, moved back into this more suburban area again. And so for like the last 10 years, I have just, I told my husband, I said, I am dying. Like I have to get out of the bubble. Like I can't handle it. (laughs) That's where I'm at right now. I'm dying. We're not going to do a farm. Probably not because we, we don't, we don't. It's too much work. We don't want the work. (laughs) Bottom line. <laughs> but we do we we have been starting the I, I'm I'm closer to it than Maura is, but what? see what we wanna do, Jessica, is we wanna we wanna hop in like like an R V. An R V and live in the R V for to me as long as as long as it takes. Right. I want to sell the house. She doesn't. She wants to rent the house. Obviously, that's the safe thing to do. I don't like safe. I like really, really <laughs> dangerous and like. That's not true. You've never been a risk taker. I'm a super risk taker. What are you talking about? I only applied you to said one college you've... for undergrad. I only applied to one college from grad school. Yeah, but you always said like with career wise. Like, oh, this career. Is, yeah, yeah, career. Like career. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This about is the that. riskiest thing you've done for yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, after after you quit your you Corporate know job. six figure job, yeah, you just you know nothing seems hard. Yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah, well, we've been down that road. So yeah, farm life won't hurt you that bad. You'll be, you'll be, it'll be easy for you then, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm looking at, I'm looking at RVs. I'm, I'm trying to set a timeline for this thing. Like I, I that would be awesome. I want to be doing this by this time next year. That so is awesome. See. I would love to do that too. I think that would be so cool. I can't now because I have to take care of the animals, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and you have miniature animals too, right? What are, what are the miniature animals that you have? We talked about this on the cruise. Oh. We have a ton. We've got, we have a miniature cow. <laughs> she's adorable. She's the cutest. And every time somebody comes out, they're like, oh, look at that baby cow. I'm like, nah, she's an adult. <laughs> That's, That's so awesome. awesome. Literally looks like a baby. She's so sweet. And she was bottle fed. I raised her. So she follows me around. Like That's I'm adorable. Sweetest thing. Um, and then we have uh, an alpaca and he was a runt. And so he's really t- super tiny and he looks like a baby. They're called Kriyas, uh, a baby alpaca. And he looks like a Kriya. People always think he's a baby. I'm like, nope. Oh, that's because it's a it, it's a Peruvian animal, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So so Kriyas is like, you know, little yeah. babies, like crianças in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's what he is. So um, and then they and then we have um we have uh, three little goats. Um, one is like super tiny. He's like the size of like a toy dog and he's full grown. So um, cute. And then and we have a sheep and he's just normal size <laughs> <laughs> and a couple horses, um, dozens of chickens. We recently got two turkeys. We have a goose, couple ducks. Um, so, so when you have the turkeys, for instance, like I, I'm curious about this because when you get a new animal and uh-huh. you want to, you want to bring this animal into the fold and obviously eventually harvest the animal, how does it work to, you know, um, keep like a, a certain population? For instance, you got two turkeys. Are you going to wait until they, until they have lay eggs and are you going to leave some of these eggs to, to, to become, you know, turkeys? Yeah, I think that's kind of our plan. We actually didn't take, we didn't go after these turkeys 
turkeys, we, it's kind of the weird thing, but so a lot of our animals that are on our farm are actually rescues. They've, um, we've word gets out there that you'll help somebody with their animals that are sick or or that they don't have time or room for anymore or whatever. And then it's like, before you know it, people are calling, texting, emailing, um, you know, can I bring my animal to you? And all this kind of stuff. So that's how we got the turkeys. They, um, were someone that lived in a more suburban area and the turkeys are about five months old and turkeys, um, people don't realize they can fly pretty good. And, um, oh, wow. these turkeys were flying off of their property and net and roosting at night on top of the neighbor's <laughs> house. Not too happy about it as I can imagine. So she said, um, we don't know what to do. So, um, you know, could we bring them out to your farm? So the first thing I did was clip their flight feathers, actually, so that they can't fly because um, it can be dangerous for them um, to do that. Because if they if they fly to where I can't get them in at night um, and then they happen to come down and there's no protection, um, then they can be killed. We have coyotes and foxes and coons and they will absolutely go after a turkey. It's yeah. No problem. Um, so anyway, uh, but we so we that's how we got these guys. But it is a it is a male and a female. So we're um, thinking probably what we'll do is just keep these two. They are, it's a heritage breed turkey. Um, so what we're thinking we'll do is just keep these two and let them breed and then we'll raise their offspring. And then their offspring is what we will then process and eat. Okay. So um, I love this. You, you mentioned heritage breed and I think people should, should um, learn a little bit more about this. You know, we hear about heritage breed chickens, heritage breed pork, heritage breed turkey. What does heritage breed mean so that people can... Right. When they're really trying to improve the quality of the meat they get, um, what does that mean to you? So heritage breed, basically for any animal, is they're just like a traditional breed of that specific livestock. So they're what was raised like hundreds of years ago. They're they're the original um, breeds, which I know that sounds weird. There's it's kind of a, a weird way to, but it's basically the animals that were raised before we started industrializing everything. Right. So it's the, so when we started all these commercial farms, we, I say as, you know, in this country, um, they will, what they do is they take these animals and I'm not an expert on this at all, but they take these animals and they take what used to be heritage breeds and they, they will breed the animals to do what they need them to do to, to survive in these horrific confined areas that they're in. Right. So they take the heritage um, breed animals and then they'll breed them to be like chickens, for instance, is an easy one. Right. They breed them to grow so fast that they can be slaughtered at, I don't even know what the age is. I think like six weeks or something. You've got a fully grown bird that is so has grown so fast that most of them cannot even hold themselves up on their legs any longer at like six weeks old when they're when they're slaughtered that's insane like that's crazy but they had to breed these birds to be that way so those are you don't want those birds when you're eating them like number one they don't taste like anything because they're not these heritage animals were bred for their um for the the prize of their meat like how good it was and how how well they reproduced and how healthy they were and 
how sound they were and um, just how how hardy and how easy and good they were for the farmers and their families. And so fast forward to today, you have all these commercialized breeds that they're none of those things. They're not hardy. They're not they're not bred naturally. They don't grow naturally. Their meat doesn't taste as good. They don't have um, as much fat and marbling and all the good omegas in them that we need that all these heritage breeds have. So it's basically that. Um, we've just turned them into any of the commercial breeds that, that, that are out there now. We've like just turned them into um, reproducing monsters, basically. Yeah, yeah it's, like it's, GMO it's the animal version of GMOs. It's yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah, that's what yeah it they're is. like crossbreeding and making yeah. these like mutant just animals. Maximum right? yield, you know, it's the same as, you know, think about it, automating anything. Um, it, it, you know, it's like it's like taking that beautiful, you know, handmade. Oh, perfect example. We were talking about this the other day. Um, what was it? Freshly picked? Dang, you got to put them on. I, hey, listen, I'm not putting them on blast. But, <laughs> but like, no, but it is that they've grown. There's a difference, like, you know, and like, also, you just can't hand make that many orders. Yeah, like, once, it becomes once to, production, to a point, right. you know, you need to ramp up production. We got these, be- what was it, lambskin? Elk hide. Elk hide. Um, Handmade moccasins for moccasins. Desmond when yeah. he was like a little kid. And this. From this little shop, right? Yeah, and freshly picked has become huge. They, they were, they were on, on Shark Tank. They yeah, they were on deal. Shark Tank. Yeah. And it's just not the same. You know, it's, it's yeah. not handmade anymore. And I get it. You know, I get pr- production's a thing, but, you know, we're not interested in that. We're trying to get the best quality. We're trying to get, I mean, it goes back to what you said. It's traditional food, which means traditional, like natural. Like Desmond today asked me, we, we went to go eat sushi. So, you know, I'm confessing here, confession time. Because um, today's, today's <laughs> my like, car update. Have soy? So I took the kids to <laughs> go eat, um, to go to the sushi place. You know, Desmond had, you know, uh, two rolls and Dean had steak and broccoli and rice and you know dean had like two tablespoons of rice basically he just left all the rice and desmond's like well why can't they they brought us this like thick must like mayo type of sauce and i was like don't touch that okay don't don't eat that um and i didn't talk about why from the mayo standpoint when i was telling him because i know you know mayo has lots of vegetable oils and you know unless you're getting primal kitchen but what i was telling him is that he's like why can't i get that sauce and i was like look you're eating carbs now never in history of in the history of man have you eaten carbs and fat together like that yeah there's no food containing it's those just two not like natural that, right? and why do, why do we think like we're not going to be completely affected by it we're, we're creating so much inflammation we're weaponizing fat <laughs> you yeah. know with with these carbs so um it's such an important thing and it's it goes again your 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 ntp is coming out because i mean we are such fans of weston a price yes um it's just yeah. you know if more people can can combine that with the power of keto they're gonna see true healing because keto focuses on macros and we're we're, we got to get past that we got to move past that yeah i totally agree and i you know one of the things that's really interesting just kind of as we're talking about this heritage breeds is that people are probably gonna be like i did not want to learn about heritage breeds (laughs) (laughs) you'd be surprised they probably do i've got a point i've got a point i promise um but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of we're so disconnected. So people, so you'll get the arguments from people like, we'll just do the best you can with the meat. Doesn't matter if all you can afford is the factory farm meat, that's fine. And to an extent, I agree with that. Like I would rather see someone be trying to eat carnivore or keto or just moving away from packaged foods and carbs and all of this stuff and sugar. I would rather see them doing that. And if that means that everything that they buy is factory, 
factory farmed, then okay. I mean, I guess that's better than the other stuff. But um, the reason that not just organic makes such a difference, I think, but the reason that being connected to your food and understanding that these things matter is they really do affect the animals and how they are, um, not just how they're raised and kept, but it affects them so completely. And then we are eating these animals and their hormones. It's a different hormone profile these animals have and not to mention yeah. the stuff that they're ingesting. But for instance, um, what I think what kind of a cool thing about the heritage breed animals. So one of the things that a lot of people may not know, and I don't know this about cows, I'm going to assume it's the same, but I know for chickens and turkeys and I know for birds that the commercially um, raised birds cannot reproduce. Wow. Yes, they cannot reproduce naturally. So they have to be artificially inseminated to be able to even, um, and then raise the eggs. They have all of these eggs in there. They raise all the eggs. Like they're not raised by mama chickens. Um, so it, the whole operation is complete. Like man is completely intervened. It's like this big giant science experiment. Like It's a thread. This is a thread running through this whole episode. I love how you're tying all this together. Because <laughs> they're just, they're like, but we're so disconnected from it that we don't even know, like the average person has no idea that that chicken that they're buying in the grocery store is so far from what it was intended to be that it couldn't even reproduce if you tried. Like it literally can't. So crazy. heritage breed animals, um, definitely I know this for birds to be true, but like turkeys, for instance, um, that's one of the requirements for a heritage breed is it has to be able to reproduce naturally and then they have a longer lifespan than other chicken or than other turkeys. Like we were saying, the chickens are raised, they're, they're, they grow really fast and they would die if they weren't slaughtered anyway. And then, um, and then the other, uh, one of the other criteria is that they have to grow at a normal growth rate. They can't, they can't be one of these freaks that grows, you know, five times faster than they're supposed to. So, but all of those things matter in the meat that you're eating. Like it mat, like it matters that that is no longer even representative of the animal that they are telling you it is. Yeah. And, and, and people I know, oh my gosh, I've been dealing with this for like 10 years now and it's been a slow process for me, a little bit slower than it was for Mauda. Um, but you know, there was a lot of, oh, gluten free is a man-made disease and, and, you know, like gluten issues and, and, um, what's the, the issue with gluten? Um, celiac. Celiac. Yeah. Celiac is a man-made disease. You don't see celiac in poor countries. You don't see celiac in poor countries because they're trying to survive. They don't even have the resources and to diagnose celiac. They're well, yeah, fasting they're probably and then fasting they eat carbs. <laughs> but yeah. no, they're not even getting diagnosed. Yeah, they're probably not even is. getting diagnosed. Yeah. You know, so it's like, guys, this is affecting your body. And like, if there's one thing that I, that I think Weston A. Price has done such an amazing job of, it's demonstrating how important food is to our health. Like, if there's one thing that people can take away from our conversation, it's that what you eat and absorb is creating the person that you are physically, literally, yeah. you know, like you're building your cell walls with vegetable oils. You yeah. know, how is that? Of course you're sick. Yeah, <laughs> of, course of course you're sick. Yeah. And that's where like people, ex again, the disconnect, you know, and yeah. like we're not. That's where the education is so important because once people, you know, I didn't realize that at one point until I heard Dr. Barry talk about this and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that is how cell membranes are made. Now I remember from biology and just having that knowledge, you're like, oh, okay. So my cells are going to still need to build. So they're going to just use whatever oil I give it. 
right. So you've got cottonseed oil cell membranes. Of course you're sick, you know, yeah. like you're eating right. cottonseed oil. Yeah, because and then your cell, the, and then your cell membranes, they're not, they're not formed properly. They're, they're not the way they should be. So then cell to cell communication can happen, right? Right. And so, but just understanding, it's like people don't need to understand all of the, I think this is where people get bogged down in all of this. Yeah. People like you guys and like me, like we're kind of nerds on that. Yeah. I love to dig into that and learn that stuff. But a lot of people gloss over it. They don't want to know it. They don't care. But if we can at least get them the education to say, listen, it actually does matter if you eat that mayo that's made with soybean oil versus the mayo that's made with avocado oil. And here's why. And you can at least tell them why now. You don't have to understand cell-cell communication. You don't have to understand how your hormones are made. You don't have to understand just trust me when I tell you that that oil that you just put in your body, that is the fat that your body is going to use to create the cells. Now, do you want your cells made out of, you know, these processed chemical oils or do you want them made out of these natural plant oils? And, you know, and that's where, and honestly, the big food, they knew that early on. And that if people knew that the oils that they call vegetable oils were really had nothing to do with vegetables, <laughs> they would have a hard time selling them these oils. They knew that. So they called them vegetable oils. And people were like, oh, well, vegetable. Oh, a vegetable. Right. right. Like, and it's heart healthy. And also vegetables don't oil. So and I don't know how well, they get the oil. Vegetables don't have saturated fat, guys. So it's healthy. What are you guys doing? <laughs> so like, how do they get oil, though? Exactly. A vegetable, it doesn't oil. Maybe, but once you can like say that out loud to somebody and they go, oh, oh, my God. Gosh, like I never even thought about that. It's like, yeah, yeah, none of us did. Now we're thinking about it. So let's yes. get the message out there. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. Yes. Well, I want to mention one thing because, um, you know, listen, the heritage, I want people to be, to know about that. And, um, there's a really good book that I, I have right here in front of me. It's called the everyday meat guide, a neighborhood butcher's advice book. And, um, this was recommended to me by Scott from the carnivore cast. It's a fantastic book and it will do a lot to educate educate people on how to read a package, how to look at the different labels like organic, non-GMO, um, or uh, ethically raised, all of these things that, that if people care about them, they'll know how to identify it because most of us want to be, well, we want to be healthy. I mean, a lot of, some people don't care at all, but I, I would argue that most people, you know, they want to be healthy, but there's a lot of automaticity. Step one, though, read label. Yeah, well, you got to read the label. You got to actually you gotta know what read to the look. label. Because yeah. here's another thing, like, look, perfect example. I love you, mom. Sorry, I'm putting you on blast. But <laughs> she saw this ice cream that said on the front, because remember, they, they do all these cute tricks. Remember, we yeah, used to make fun okay. of it where they would be like uh, fat-free tomato sauce. I'm like, oh, duh, it is fat-free. Yeah, gluten-free uh, like, tomato sauce. Or gluten-free tomato sauce. Like, there's no need to put that. Put that. Like, that's just, like, extra for, for it to stand out. Because tomatoes are gluten-free, guys. Shot, like, you know, spoiler alert. They were already no, gluten-free. Tomato. We didn't add gluten to your tomatoes. Wow. Cool, this one must be better. Congratulations, you low-expectation-having person. Yeah. Or, like, low-carb peanut butter. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah. So, anyways, my mom saw this, like, ice cream. And I forgot what it said. It was, like, no sugar added or low sugar or something. It was just marketed in a specific way. So she kind of trusted it without really turning it around. And I'm like, dude, there's corn syrup. 
like what yeah. <laughs> you gotta read the label it's so good and my so my um my current class uh is it runs seven weeks but it's it's happening on wednesday night so we had our uh week three of this uh one is was last, last night and this was the topic um we were talking about several things but the biggest portion of our hour was spent on labels and grocery store shopping and just understanding um yes. like how to spot this stuff and one of the things that we that we pointed out was you take a can of um there's a brand a manufacturer out there that makes a they actually got sued and i believe it's removed from the shelves now um, but it was out there for a very long time and uh while this process went on because of course they continued to sell it um right. had uh it's a, a can a spray can of oil and on the front of it it says 100 percent olive oil <laughs> <laughs> right if you are a if you're someone that is trying to do better and you've heard that olive oil is a good thing to have and you're like oh well this is great it's in a spray can and so i can use this for you know whatever and it's a hundred percent you it's a hundred percent olive oil right <laughs> i showed them what the back of the can said <laughs> oh my it gosh was not 100% olive oil. Wow. it was olive oil but then there was um there were stabilizers in there and and um propellant in there basically chemicals no oh. chemicals no on your, but this is marketed to someone clearly who is trying to be healthy because yeah they, i mean and they're just flat out lying to you it's so sad it's such a crime like i get so enraged because or that's like, just like taking advantage of people it's so yes. bad or the mayos think about the mayos i know oh. mm-hmm. Oh, like the avocado mayo from Hellman's? Oh my god! Yeah, gosh. it's like mixed with canola. A yeah. client come to me or send me a picture and say, "Look, I just bought this mayo, and it's like craft mayo, and it says uh, it says all made with olive oil or made with avocado oil." Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh! I'm like, turn it over and read the back. Yeah. First ingredient: water. Second ingredient: soybean oil. Yeah, and then some some avocado Maybe at oil. The end. Somewhere down the list is olive oil because they had to put a touch of it in there so they could say it was made with it. Mm-hmm. And that is just such, it's just so wrong. But the more we're educated about that and the more we learn to flip those bottles around and read that and be like, you know what? You're going to lie to me. I'm not buying your stuff. Yeah. They're going to have to stop. They're going to have to yep. the way they're doing it or they won't sell any products. Yeah, that's right. And it does work. It does work. Like I want people to understand coming from like we we've been doing this like we were paleo back in 2011 when Desmond was born and I couldn't find anything I had to make every product for my kid I didn't have simple mills I didn't have any siete I didn't have any of these brands grain-free brands grain-free tortilla chips what is that I didn't have any of that and now we have so much. Yeah, there's a lot of crap mixed in there, which is why it's important to read the labels. But it does matter when we protest with our dollars and we stop buying stuff. The companies, they want to make money. They're going to try to give us what we want, you know, so. Absolutely. And that and, and the proof is the fact that they are making products that say made with avocado oil, made with. Yep. That's your proof right there, because if it wasn't working, they wouldn't even try to trick you. Exactly. But if they put that on there, you'll buy it because you've heard that that's better so we just have to keep forcing them to to do it the right way and it will happen yeah we gotta have standards (laughs) amen to that well okay we kind of talked about this and we also talked about the fact that you know we're all winging it but i'm still gonna ask you because you're you you do a lot so how do you do it all how do you find balance with your career running a farm being a wife and you have five children right yes 
Well, Oof. if I can be just like totally honest, I I don't really actually believe in balance. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> neither, yeah. neither, neither do I we. hate that word or moderation. Neither do we. We hate that word. I totally agree. I know when someone tells me like they need balance or like moderation, I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't do meth and moderation. Sorry. <laughs> Here's what I liken it to. It's like it's like saying everything in moderation, right? So I hate that. That makes oh. me so frustrated, especially when it relates to diet and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. As people be like, well, I mean, everything in moderation. I'm like, uh, no, like you're going to eat rat poison in moderation. I don't exactly. Think so. You can't like that's such a dumb. I, I it's a cop out. It's like a cop out. Yeah, I don't mean to say dumb because people are probably saying it and they don't. They're not really thinking it through. But yeah, so I kind of feel the same way about balance. And the reason I feel that way about that when you like when you're asking me how do I to keep up with it all and how do I do it all and how do I find balance, I would say well I there isn't balance because first of all, my family's first. So I always have to put them first and take care of their needs first. So they're never going to be balanced with my job. I love this. Yep. Or with the animals. I mean, that's just the facts, right? Or with my, um, you know, whatever. Um, That's the, so there is no balance there. So I basically... I, my default is I take care of my family <laughs> yes. and, uh, you know, make sure, which, you know, there's some things that are important to me. Like I get up in the mornings, um, to, I make them breakfast every morning because I want them to eat a good breakfast. So I will make them eggs fresh from our farm. I make them bacon, um, sausage, um, all that kind of thing. Cause I know if I get up and make them breakfast, they will eat it and of they course. will eat it for breakfast. And if I don't it, trust me, they will find something that I will be like, Oh my gosh, why are you guys eating that? Yeah. So that's, so that's why I do it. So that's number one. I do that. I do that. So if I have to get up super early to do that, then that's what I'll do. Um, And what suffers for me in place of those things is then like I, then I need to get out to my animals and take care of my animals because they usually have the next priority to me. And I want them to get out and, you know, get in the sunshine and and graze because all of our animals are free range. So they, you know, they get to range everywhere and I want them eating the bugs and the, you know, the grasses and, and everything. My chickens go through the manure pile and (laughs) they stir up that compost. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's the way it's supposed to be, but I have to get out there and take care of them to do that. And then usually what happens is um, the rest of the stuff just keeps flying at me and yeah. in reactionary mode the whole rest of the day. Yeah, then you're winging it. <laughs> yes, and what suffers is the fact that maybe I had planned to go get in the sauna um, for mm-hmm. half an hour and meditate and I wanted to get um, a, you know my kettlebell session in and shoot, here it is nine o'clock at night and now my son wants to sit down and watch a show with me and I'm like, oh, but I really was going to go get in the sauna and then... Then I just don't get in the sauna. I just sit down and yep. have that time with my son. So I really don't do it all. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's just there's I mean, only so many hours. <laughs> yeah, and it's total chaos all the time. And there are five kids, and there's always somebody that wants your attention or needs something. Um, but you know what? I, it's this is the life I signed up for. I wouldn't have it any other way. I I love I love our farm. I love taking care of the animals. It is very cathartic for me to go clean stalls and. <laughs> and collect eggs. And I mean, I just, there's something about that that just feels like natural and normal. And like, I yeah. doing that. Um, and the kids, you know, um, having, raising them like this and having them exposed to that is priceless. Um, I love that. So, yeah, I mean, that's, so I, I think you just have to figure out like, what are the priorities and what are the things that you're willing to say no to so that you can say yes to other things. And I pretty much my whole day trying to weigh things on that scale. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. Same That's with us. Yeah. Same with us. It's, it's so true. And I love that you brought up your kids and God bless you for having five because I feel like nobody leaves me alone and I've only got two. I'm like, I don't have time. Stop talking to me <laughs> for one second. <laughs> we, Derek and I have a date night every single week and we usually do. <sighs> That's good. Sometimes it's just like, I'm, I know I'm keto, but I'm one of the wine drinking ketos. I'm a, I'm a wino. Love it. So um, (laughs) my husband as well. So we, there's a a place up the street that does wine tasting on Thursday nights. And we love to just get away. We will just be like, don't kill each other. And then (laughs) we're also, we won't even get into that, but we're also the kind of parents. We do not helicopter parent. We're just like, love it. I'm the fittest. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm kidding, but <laughs> hey, to an extent, okay <laughs> but I don't like leave my seven year olds by themselves, but oh yeah, 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 <laughs> no. but, uh, but we'll go up to the, to, and just have, we'll just do the wine tasting for an hour and a half, two hours. We can sit and sip on wine and talk and like catch up with each other and then go back and we're like recharged to handle the like nonstop incessant talking and asking us things. And because it does get to where you're like, oh my gosh, I just need like an hour that somebody doesn't need something Laura's <laughs> always saying this yeah like it gets to the a point like Danny will even be like it'll be like 9 o'clock at night and Danny's like do you hear them asking you for stuff I'm like mm-hmm yep. and he's like are you ignoring them I'm like mm-hmm I'm like, I'm not here. I'm like, it's I don't true, understand though. why nine they're talking to me. Nine o'clock, like we are requested out, like time out, no, no Kitchen's space. Kitchen's closed. Well, Kitchen's you know, especially like with these, these teenagers, they don't oh, stop yeah. eating. These kids don't stop eating. No, no, they don't. We do the same thing. We're like, we're like, guys, it's for us, it's 10 because we just, with the teenagers, nine would be too early, but we're, yeah. leave us alone. We're done. Stop coming in our room. Stop asking us for what you want to do tomorrow. Stop asking us to drive you places. Like we'll talk about it in the morning. You should have asked us earlier, 10 o'clock. We're done. It's closed. We're closed. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. By the way, um, fun fact for all of our parents who are frustrated about the fact that their kids are up later when they're like in the high school age. Just keep in mind that when you're a teenager, right around 13, 14, 15, our, um, our circadian rhythms are kind of pushed later. So it's interesting because um, the average parent, you know, so let's say sense. 35 to 50 is actually the opposite. Our, our circadian rhythms are pushed back a little bit earlier. That doesn't go well with the fact that, you know, young your Young teenagers, kids, the teenagers are a little bit later. So uh, it's it's really good that you mentioned that because it's important for us to try to keep natural as as natural as possible. I know we have leeway with that because we, you know, when my kids are teenagers, you they know, won't have to get up. Yeah. They won't have to get up. They'll get up when they have to. And they'll probably be a little bit if they're going to bed at 930, they'll probably go to bed at 11. It's kind of natural. And, and you know, at that time, they'll just sleep a little bit later unless they have a morning thing. thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, since we're on the topic of kids, and this will be like one of our last questions, because uh, I know we've been on long, but um, we talk a lot about getting kids to eat well. And it's a it's a balancing act, really, of trying to give them freedom, uh, yet educating them and encouraging them to make healthy choices without giving them like some complex and like an eating disorder, because that's my biggest fear, really. Oh, yeah. Like so when I catch myself or Danny being too yeah, psycho, I'm, I'm like, I'm, all right, I'm we more, need to chill because it feels like she, way she too psycho. Yeah. I'm always like, Danny. Chill. Pick your battles. Chill, bro. Chill. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't, I honestly don't care if they eat eighty Lara bars as long as they ate their steak. I'm like, my kids are my kid, especially because they're so they'll active. Never eat 80, though. Eat no, them. they won't, and that's the thing, they won't. Yeah, and they're so active that I'm like, those carbs are gone. <laughs> 
but but yeah like it's you know i'm also dealing with small kids and 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 honestly when it comes to small kids it is easier it, it's it's a little more simple to get them to eat well but it's a whole new world when it comes to teenagers you can't be controlling them so you that you have teens like how do you approach this with your teens and any like it wins i know you shared a few with us but any examples that you'd like to share on you know whether you thought it really wasn't working but you know you had a little win <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, it's, man, it's so hard. Um, especially you guys, it might be a little bit easier for you actually. So have hope because my teens, unfortunately were little kids when I didn't know better. Right. So they grew up much like I grew up eating, you know, packaged things. And, um, and I liked to cook. I've always loved to cook. So I would cook, you know, homemade dinners, but it was just like pot pies and lasagna and I mean like all the kind of typical right. and um, foods and so um, so they that's what they grew up with so it was really hard when I started learning more and needing to do better and my my oldest son one of the issues that he has is he does have a severe gluten intolerance he is not celiac he is his uh, markers are right below celiac um, but he so he had to give up the gluten and all you know any kind of gluten container stuff. So for most teenagers, that's like their entire sustenance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just think about pizza and grilled cheese sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. And I mean, like all donuts you can't eat it. Um, and, or he has to find a, a, a gluten-free version of it. So, um, so that, uh, that kind of facilitated him eating a little bit healthier, not that you cannot eat horribly and be gluten-free because you certainly can. Um, but that did facilitate him like needing, you know, kind of starting to change his diet to be a little better. But, um, for the other kids, I think, um, it's really just a matter of, we kind of, we don't really force them to eat the way we eat. We just lead by example. And so what I've, where I've seen it work really well is, um, and I also didn't, I also didn't just take everything out of the house either. Um, you know, I, I, and I still will bring things in that I wouldn't eat and I don't really want them to be eating, but I also don't want to give them complexes or have them, um, go crazy as soon as they're outside of my door and, right. you know, out of my reach. So, um, kind of my approach and my husband's approach is we started just, um, buying less and less things that, that we didn't think were good for them to eat less processed food, less packaged food, less sugary things, or we would just change, like switch things to like a better version of right. those things. So maybe instead of goldfish crackers, we would buy the Annie's bunnies. Right. The gluten-free, right. Organic. At least they, you know, didn't have all the colors and the dye yeah. and artificial stuff, you know, so we would just do things like that. And then trying to, um, help them understand that, uh, they would, they would eat good things. And then when they would have something like that, they would realize like, oh my gosh, I don't think that makes me feel very good. And start noticing that those things, when you take away all of the stuff, um, that they're eating all the time every day and they're just have a few little choices. They, they start noticing when they do eat those bad things. So that was like one thing that we did. Um, another thing is, um, for me, like the breakfast stuff, um, you know, my kids ate pop tarts and cereal and egos and all that stuff for breakfast oatmeal. Um, that was typical and they would just get up and make it. And I thought I was doing really well because I was teaching them to get up and make your own breakfast. You know, don't rely on me to be making you breakfast. And then, um, 
you know, I was like, well, if I get up and make them bacon and eggs, um, they'll eat it. They'll eat the bacon and eggs. And so in the beginning, they would eat the bacon and eggs. And then I would say, okay, if you eat the bacon and eggs, then you can have your cereal. Right, right. They would do that. They would eat the bacon and eggs they made, and then they would eat some cereal. And then after a little bit of time, they stopped wanting the cereal. And and I was (laughs) buying cereals that weren't as appealing. I'd be like, yeah, we're not buying Captain Crunch anymore, but you can have this, you know, Cascadian Farms. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, They're like, (laughs) wait, didn't we get that? We've gotten that one. Yeah, that one's, yeah, yeah. Because they have like, it's no dyes, the gluten-free. Well, yeah, I just got some for them recently because of camp. They were going to give them cereal. I was like, oh no. It was like, what was it? Like a Fruity Pebbles type? They were going to give them like the stars and the O's and they have one from Cascadian Farms that has stars stars and everything. It's just not all the colors. Like, have you noticed like you can't have blue or anything like it'll just be red and orange. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's just, yeah. I mean, it just, it gives them like they, I just think it's important. Like you were saying, you don't want to create like these eating disorders and then be like, yeah, my mom never lets me have anything. And, um, and it's, if it, and like I had one son, our youngest son, who's um, about to be 13, he was, uh, he was coming home and telling me like, well, I was telling, you know, I was telling my friends so-and-so that they think they eat healthy, but they really don't eat healthy. And like, he's telling them all this stuff. And I'm like, honey, you can't like, don't do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We tell that to our boys. Too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, yes, Dean doesn't do care. That. But I realized that <laughs> I was, he was mimicking what I was telling him. And so I was like, oh man, I need to like reel this in a little bit and yeah. figure out a different way to, to, teach him and educate him about what he's putting in his body because I'm like this kid that he's telling it to is one of his best friends up in be like one of my best friend's kids. And I'm like, yeah, don't tell them that. I'm like, she tries really hard to feed them healthy. And, you, and then she's going to think that I'm telling you that. And then you're telling, I'm like, you yes, know, yes. Like that, don't, you know? So, yeah. I, so I feel like just helping them to navigate like better choices. And like, I love how you're saying like, as long as they eat the steak first, they can eat like, you know, however many of those bars they want to eat. We kind of have that same, it's kind of the same mentality. I, you know, I'm just like, listen, eat this first. You eat this good, healthy healthy food for your body first. I want your body fueled with the right nutrients. And then that's fine. If you still want that, then go ahead. You can eat it. Right. Right. Eat what your body needs and then you can have what you want. (laughs) And a lot of times they choose not to have it. Exactly. Because they don't really care. They're not hungry anymore. And, and I'll tell you what this, I, I firmly believe this kids. Um, there, there are two things that kids can control in their world. That is what goes into their bodies and what comes out of them. I think that is why parents have such struggles with eating and like getting your kids to eat healthy food and all this stuff, like whatever that is for you and getting them potty trained because those are the only two things. I mean, if you think about a little person, like they can't control anything else. Like you control their whole world. Well, most parents control every single aspect of everything that they do when they go to bed, when they get up, what they watch on TV, when they, it's everything, right? Where they're going to go and when they're going to go there. And so I feel like that's the two things that kids can control. And that's the things that, that they will dig their heels in the ground on. So I feel like instead of telling them or forcing them, this is what you're going to eat is like helping them to make those decisions and feel like they have some control over what they're eating um, is so helpful. 
Yes, I love it. This is great. I mean, it's kind of like an echo chamber because we're on the same page, but hey, whatever. It's it doesn't always uh it's not always that interesting where people have different points of view. We have the same point of view. It's just how it goes. Yeah, and I just wanted one more really quick thing I want yes. in regards to that is just to encouraging parents out there to to not um you know, don't feel like you are failing if your kid won't eat the good stuff and you're just like beating your head against the wall every day. Like just keep leading by example, just in love, tell them about these good foods and what they do for their bodies, how they grow their muscles, how they make them big and strong. And, you know, whatever the age group of your kid is that um, use language and things that are going to appeal to them and help. If you have an athlete, help explain to them how this is going to help their performance on the field and their recovery time. And just, you know, try to make it like you're educating them instead of trying to manipulate them. Exactly. You would be really surprised at, I I was anyway, I was really surprised at when I, I changed my approach at how most of my kids, I mean, out of the five, I really only have one that fights me anymore at all on it. And I was really surprised at how, when I changed my approach, they really came around and they started coming to me and asking me for the advice. And that was a huge win. So Just, um, so just, you know, have heart, take heart. It's, uh, it, it's a, and you're, you're teaching them now you're planting the seeds now that even if you don't see the fruit now, these, those seeds may be watered years down the road and the fruit may develop years down the road. So your, your efforts are not in vain. Absolutely. Yes. And that's something that I always think about, like, man, there's a possibility that my kids, when they, you know, I always say this, that when they turn, when they get to leave my house, that they may, may head straight for the hot and ready sign at Krispy Kreme, you know, and that's fine. And they that, you know, and that's why we, you know, when we go to birthday parties, you know, yes, they are allowed to eat cupcakes on Halloween. They go ham and they are allowed to do that. And I'm not going to make them feel bad about it, but they know they know how they feel. And um, I just want my kids to know that they are in control. So even if they do go off, you know, off track, you know, whenever something happens with their health, they're not going to think, oh, I need a pill for this. They're going to think, oh, I must be eating something. Let me see what I can change. And that's the lesson, you know? Absolutely. So important. This has been so awesome. Well, um, we're running long and obviously we could talk here forever, but I, I want to well, give you an opportunity talking, so to, <laughs> to talk about um, where can people find the course? Because that's currently going. Um, if they've missed um, classes, can they uh, are the recorded stuff? And then where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is Jessica Ty. Dot com And that's kind of where you can find um, more about me and um, my services and that kind of thing. It's like the jumping off point. Um, but if you want to learn more about the classes, they are going on right now. We just completed week three, but it is seven weeks and you can't jump in at any time. Um, and they are... Um, they are recorded. So I just send out the recorded classes so you can catch up uh, whenever you would like to. Um, but the, that you can go there, it's, um, that keto blonde.com forward slash classes. And, uh, you can register right there and there we are doing, this is the first time I've done the online classes. So we have an introductory, um, offer of $47, which is like, crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very that's very crazy. inexpensive Honestly, that's awesome i mean not to toot my own horn but man you are going to get so much information for that like it's really good content um just kind of teaching you 
you guys from a nutritional therapy standpoint. It's called um, Understanding and Optimizing Keto um, class. And so from a nutritional therapy standpoint, like why things may not be working for you um, in your keto journey and like what things can you do to improve that and what things do you want to do so you avoid those pitfalls if you're just starting or, you know, just that kind of thing. And like really helping you understand why keto works and, um, you know, how you can tweak it for your bio-individual person. Um, so that kind of thing is what we're doing now. And then um, you can find me on Instagram. I am that keto blonde on Instagram. And I do, I am on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook forward slash Jessica Thai nutrition. Amazing. That's kind of it. I do have a YouTube channel, but it's pretty pathetic. And uh, so is ours. So Don't is worry. Ours. We're the worst. <laughs> I keep, I keep, I'm like, I am going to do this. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's one of those things that just gets lost in the chaos. And it's too many things. Video, like once every six months. It's That's us. Same We're here. like at a one. Yeah. Two a year. Yeah. <laughs> I get a notification that somebody new is following my YouTube channel. I'm like, you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> doing this. You're like, Same don't do here. it. <laughs> Same here. I am so grateful that you followed my channel, but I don't understand why. Can't you see that I am a total loser on YouTube? Like, I know. Just waiting. We're the They're just waiting for that next video. They're, and the worst part patient. is that we actually have like, because my brother-in-law is like really awesome at editing. And so he did some really awesome videos for us. And I'm like, I can't compete with that. You can, like, you yeah. can tell which ones are total crap. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Hundred percent. Do it all on my own, which um, I really need to figure out how to how to leverage some things. But I, so yeah, I just mine are not even very good. The ones that are there, that you know, there's no editing at all, and they're just it's terrible. But anyway, <laughs> and one of these days I will start putting out some videos. <laughs> hey, when the time that, is right, that's the day that we'll we'll join you. We'll join you on that day. <laughs> we'll get inspired. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It was an awesome conversation. And maybe one day we'll go on your podcast, you know, yeah, like maybe, maybe one, one of these days, maybe, I don't know, maybe right after this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, guys.